What defines success? You have to have the mental and physical fortitude for this stuff. What happens when you get knocked down? I was grateful when I got fired. I wasn't grateful because I was fired, but I was grateful in every day, and I was grateful when I got fired. What makes some people radiate? Do you define yourself by your title? Do you define yourself by the company you work at? Do you define yourself by the amount of money you make? Do you define yourself by whether you have a corporate jet? I define myself, impact. This is Radiate. Hi guys, welcome to Radiate, the show where we interview some of the world's most successful people to find out how they work their way to the top. This week, Sally Krawcheck, CEO of Elevate, a network that helps thousands of women get ahead in their careers. Before becoming an entrepreneur, Sally was dubbed one of the last honest voices on Wall Street. She's led firms like Sanford Bernstein, Smith Barney, Citigroup's Wealth Management Unit, and Bank of America's as well. She's spoken out publicly about being fired twice. And in this conversation, Sally talks about her transition out of Wall Street and what it was like for a woman to succeed in the boys' club. I think you'll enjoy listening to this. Here you go. You know, one of the things that I'm, you know, that I really admire about you and that, um, you know, that I, that I know academically from reading about your, your background, but knowing you personally is that you had the guts to go from, you know, big steady paycheck, <laughs> you know, wonder, like huge power uh, on Wall Street and decide, you know what, I'm going to step out as an entrepreneur. So tell me first off, like, what was the biggest challenge in that? Well, which which one because there are so, so many. many but the the challenge i think was really the mental process to get from big office car and driver corporate jet <laughs> corporate jet <laughs> oh that's to, so nice right you know do you do that again or do you do something completely different and there you know i don't know how much you believe in karma but uh, apparently, every once in a while, lightning strikes. And I ran Smith Barney, which I adored. I ran Merrill Lynch, which I adored. But I got tumbled out or tossed out of both of them. Mm. And Merrill Lynch, I loved it. It was more like running Smith Barney than it wasn't. Mm. And it felt like karma sort of said, reboot, reboot, try something else. Rather than do the same job again and again, try something else. So when I came out of Merrill... Uh, and was really thinking about the next job, I had opportunities to go back to big companies. And I thought, I feel like I've had lightning strike me and say, go do something else. And so I spent time digging really deep mm-hmm. on what do I love doing? What do I want to do? What impact do I want to have? And really took my time. You know, yeah. all the clamoring voices of, you better get back in there. You better get back in there. I really took my time. I even took personality test and business personality test, which, you know, at my slightly mature age felt like, gosh, you know, shouldn't you have done this at the age of 23? But (laughs) what they showed me, which one did you take? Oh, I took them all. I don't know. Name them. Start naming them. I took a whole bunch of them. (laughs) Did you discover anything about yourself? You know, it, it, yes. Um, there were some, there were no, oh my gosh, I had no idea, but it was more. Yep. 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 And what came out of it was on the spectrum of leadership, mm-hmm. I was, you know, slammed over on one side in mm-hmm. terms of leadership on the spec and being a leader on the spectrum of rule following 
and enjoying process. I was not quite slammed over to the other side, but I'm not a rule follower. And I took a look at this and said, gosh, no surprise that under certain bosses at certain companies, not following rules and, you know, being off the, being on one side of the chart of it leadership, made sense. it made sense that I wouldn't, my personality wouldn't fit particularly well mm. in certain companies, but fits much better as an entrepreneur. So then when you actually became an entrepreneur and you bought Elevate, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, and I, I've seen, you know, you work and, and build this up, what, what was the most surprising thing about suddenly, <laughs> oh my goodness, <laughs> how terrifying it is. I had tens of thousands of people who worked, I don't want to say for me, but worked with me at these big organizations. I slept at night. When you're an entrepreneur and you start off, you have five people working for you, eight people working for you, 20 people working for you. You think, what a breeze. You know, I ran these big, important businesses. But there is something that is so deeply personal about being an entrepreneur and looking the every individual in the eye every day, it's such a sense of personal responsibility. So, mm-hmm. you know, I slept, I slept when I ran the big businesses. Um, I didn't sleep in the first couple of years as an entrepreneur. I would wake up at 3.30 in the morning and just, you know, iterate through, you know, right. this problem, this challenge, this well, issue. Well, because, you know, if you're not going to, you're not going to get your... The money's not going to roll oh, in. There, and there's no money. There's I no mean, money. Right. There's that thing. At, at a big uh, company, you can slack oh, off and oh. the paycheck keeps coming. For sure. And the, t- you know, and with the individuals at the comp- at big companies, you have this quirky person, you have that quirky person, and people sort of fill in where others have flat sides. Mm-hmm. When you have small teams, there's nobody to fill in. And if everybody doesn't show up for work, fully show up for work every day, the business doesn't get done. Um, and so watching that, you know, uh, checking account, business checking account every day. And some days, you know, at the beginning of the network, some days, I don't think we, there were days. Yes, there were days. There were days we had zero revenue. I was going to say, <laughs> I, I went a lot of them, but <laughs> oh no, we're never going to earn revenue again ever. Right. Ever. <laughs> oh, you laugh. And then the next day, And then you'll have a great day and then you feel terrific about it. And then the, you know, the website breaks and, you know, when you're running Merrill Lynch, you, you you know, there are people who are all over this. When you've got a small company, there's a guy. And, Mm -hmm. And by the way, telling the guy to work faster doesn't particularly work very well, right? So you're standing over the guy. In fact, the day that we went to relaunch um, the the, um, the network, it had been called 85 Broads. We were relaunching as Elevate. We had a new website. We we're launching a mutual fund. I mean, ta-da, like huge day. Of course, the, you know, the... Uh, the website broke. <laughs> we couldn't roll it out for eight hours past what we were supposed to do. Oh and, you know, there was a guy typing away. And you were like, type faster. Oh, and the sweat was trickling down my back in between my shoulder blades. Type faster. Can I type for you? <laughs> was that like, that's, was that maybe one of your like most panicked moments in your career? I mean, like you've had such, you know, so I many big know. moments. There are right? a lot of, there are a lot of moments. Oh, you know, it's, it's, it's a little hard to beat when I got the call from the Fed, uh, during the financial crisis, pulled out of a meeting and said, are you seeing a run on your money funds? I mean that, you know, right. That, that it's a little comparison. hard to beat that moment. 
<laughs> but but, but they're all big moments, they're, right? They're they're different moments. They're very different moments, but they all will be with me on my deathbed. Well, I, right, the, the, the collective memory. You know, I talk to other very successful entrepreneurs who say, like, at the very beginning, you know, one CEO of, of an investment bank now says, uh, or a boutique bank says, you know, I found myself on the first day, you know, calling multi-million dollar clients and cleaning the toilet. I mean, that's what, you know, did you have your lick the stamps, clean the toilet? Oh, I still do. I still do. I, I edit, I I write a lot for the network and and the other initiatives and I edit a lot. I mean, I am putting in commas, I'm putting in semicolons, I'm changing that's to witches. I mean, so that for me is that, you know, I haven't yet cleaned a toilet, toilet bowl, (laughs) (laughs) but that for me is my way down in the weeds moment. But but, you know, you, you have to tell people entrepreneurialism isn't for everybody. And what investment banking was when I got out of college and Wall Street in the, in the late 80s, entrepreneurialism is today, which everybody wants to do it. Mm-hmm. And they have this view of it being this very sexy thing. I'm going to be in a, you know, brick walled, you know, office and I'm going to wear blue jeans and I'm going to play foosball and, and that'll be like 10 so minutes cool. and then I'm going to be a billionaire, Right. And, you know, if you go into some of these co-working spaces, you walk around and there are tons of companies you've never heard of before. And you you just know many of them you're never going to hear of ever, right? And so you, you have to have the the mental and physical fortitude for this stuff. And, and everyone doesn't have it. So how do you have it? I mean, in your darkest moments. I mean, describe to me one of your darkest moments in your career and how did you get out of it? Well, I am eternally grateful. I'm et- I've had some dark moments. I mean, getting publicly fired or reorganized, I'm supposed to say. I was reorganized out of two jobs. Those are some, you know, there's some moments. Yeah. And, and I've said I've been quoted it. People are like, what? I've said I, I was grateful when I got fired. I wasn't grateful because I was fired, but I was grateful in every day. And I was grateful when I got fired. Because, but not that day, though, Sally. Well, you know, but yeah, I mean, it was a tough day. I, I drank a little bit more wine than I probably <laughs> should have. But there is an underlying acknowledgement and knowledge that my worst day is better than most of the world's best day. And when you recognize, I'm not on the street. I'm not begging for food. My children mm-hmm. can afford to go to school. Um, you know, my cat is healthy. You know, if I've got friends, when you have that, and and by the way, both of my kids have had health issues. They're both great right now. But when you go through those things Hmm. and you say, you know, would I prefer not to have gotten booted out of Bank of America on the front page of, you know, national newspapers? Yes, I would have preferred that did not happen, but I'm not begging on the street. You know, majority of of people you know, do wake up every morning worried that they're either going to get laid off I know. or they're going to get fired, mm-hmm. right? And so you live in fear of that. You've had that happen to you, as you say, publicly yeah. twice. Yeah. Bummer. And you've come out better than before. Right. So what's the, you know, what's the secret? Well, look, and, and what I would say is even at senior levels, even when you're doing well, I mean, so the, the city firing, I, you know, I saw it coming a mile away. The CEO and I had a business disagreement. It 
built up over time. You saw the writing on the wall. Oh, I mean, everybody saw that. I mean, the whole company saw the writing on the wall. It, it was it was no big surprise. So when it happened, you were well. well you, you knew. When you have that kind of public, you know, I d- disagreement, and there was no way to keep it from being public because it involved all the financial advisors. You know, it's coming. The Bank of America one felt like a random act of violence because the business that I had responsibility for was doing well. It was growing. I, you know, it might have been the only business there that was growing at the time. It was ahead of plan. We, our noses were clean. There were no scandals. And I kept telling the team, I, you know, I'm not a dumb woman. I, I knew the, C, the CEO was not the one who hired me. He and I were not going out for drinks at night. So I knew I wasn't his best friend. I wasn't in the inner circle. You know, I didn't find out about stuff in a meeting before the meeting. I found out about it in the meeting. You know how that is, right? Um, so I wouldn't, I'm not a dumb woman, but I kept telling the team that it's okay. Look, he's got bigger fish to fry. He's got this whole mortgage mess he's working out. He's got this working. Keep our noses clean. Keep our noses clean. Deliver the results. We're going to be fine. And then I got reorganized out, you know, with that some was a other shocker. Folks. It, it it wasn't it wasn't right because you know you're not on the in the inner circle but you're doing business the right way and the the stunner for me at the time was look I grew up you know get your A get your A get your head down study hard get your A if you get an A I you're going to so be okay. identify with oh, this I think almost every woman can right? oh, get I, your my A. dad said this to me all the time everything's gonna be fine and then that was sort of the shocker of what. I'm sorry. I got we got an A, and I and, and a couple, you know, one other in this day, and then one other a couple of weeks later got reorged out, and that you start to say, well, because you're things, like, I work hard. Yep, yeah. I'm excelling. What the heck? And I ha- and the team was doing great. I mean, we had a great team in place. You know, the I had been brought in by Ken Lewis to bring the attrition rate for the financial advisors down. You know, was it it was very high when I got there. We we got it down, and so you sort of hey, we're we're doing what we're supposed to do, and then you get that we're going in a different direction. So I understand, you know, how people live in fear of that insecure. You know, sort of have that insecurity about will my job be there? Because what I saw is it's true, not just for folks who you know are underperforming. But increasingly, because the economy is changing so much Mm -hmm. and business is changing so much, it can be true for people who are outperforming. Coming up, Sally talks about the challenges of being a woman on Wall Street, including some of the crazy things she dealt with on a daily basis. But first, this. This episode of Radiate is brought to you by Zevia. What is Zevia? Well, Zevia is the zero calorie, naturally sweetened soda that's clearly different. And we mean clearly. No sugar, no calories, and it's non-GMO project verified, which makes this a cleaner, healthier soda option. Zevia is available in 15 flavors like cream soda, black cherry, cola, ginger ale, and even good old tonic water my favorite cream soda it's always zero calories and remember it's the holidays so you can mix zevia in your favorite cocktail if you want some recipe ideas go to zevia.com slash recipes but also go to zevia.com slash podcast because the company is giving away thousands of free six packs you heard that right 
free. You can go online, apply, and come home to a surprise soda right on your doorstep. It's random, but it's great. Head to zevia.com slash podcast to get your free sample. That's Z-E-V-I-A dot com slash podcast. You've talked about this before as well, being a woman on Wall Street. Yes. Particularly at the time, you know, the numbers have really not changed, uh, the number of women on Wall no. Street. No. In fact, they've gone backwards they've since gone backwards. the financial crisis. So how did you do it? How did I do it? Well, that's a long answer. Um, and and it, it was a different answer depending on the time in my career. I mean, early in my career, there it was active, let's get rid of the women. Um, and I, I've said it before. Really? I come, like, uh-huh. Let's get rid of well, them? Well, let's put it this way. Let, let me put it this way. I will give you the facts and you can draw the conclusion. I would come in every day and there was a Xerox copy of a male part. Oh, on my desk. You can guess which part it was. It wasn't a hand. Okay. <laughs> uh, so another they, appendage. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was a part of a man. Um, I, let's just say I use the zero, uh, the copy machine on a different floor instead of on that floor. I'm like, Oh, Oh, the client deck. So oh, no, 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 no. They no, put no. it on your desk every day, every day. Um, so were they trying to get rid of me or not? But it was a sense and, and just oh. comments, right? Comments about the clothes and sexual, I mean, all kinds of stuff. So that was at a junior level. It was Solomon Brothers. It was the 80s. And so at that point, it was just, my head is down, and you're not going to drive me out of here. Sort of the next... Do you think, by the way, if that happened in this era, would they call it sexual harassment? Oh, yeah. And that I, would be out the, people I think would be is, out the door? I think it is. It is sexual the, harassment. The question is, <laughs> how would you figure out who it was, Betty? <laughs> <laughs> Just ask him. Anyway, anyway that would be fine. Anywho, okay. Anywho, anywho, I think that would be sexual harassment too. <laughs> anywho, so and then there was the next stage, which was really what I think of as the first stage of my career, not my job, my career, which was being a research analyst at Bernstein. Um, and I had the good fortune of one choosing a firm like Bernstein, which was full on diversity. It wasn't you had to go to Harvard or Princeton or Yale. You know, we as an organization prided ourselves on hiring different people uh, from different backgrounds with different views. And one of the gentlemen who worked there was a taxi driver immediately before he worked there. Um, So working at Bernstein, I accidentally chose a firm that really embraced diversity. But I also accidentally chose a job that was very metrics and results oriented. So I've said, you know, with the research reports that I was doing, if anybody had this gender thing going on or these inherent implicit gender biases that we all have, um, you know, who is really going to say, I am not reading that woman's research report because mm-hmm. she's a woman, right? And, and, by, and, you know, she can help me outperform. Right? Nobody's going to say that. Or I'm not reading that woman's research report because she did not write it at 3 p.m. on a Thursday afternoon. She was at Mommy and Me Sing Along. And she wrote it on a Sunday night, you know, after I refused to read it. I reject it. It just didn't happen, right? And so it was very results-oriented work. You know, did you get, you know, did the stocks that you recommend go up? Did the ones that you didn't recommend go down? Did you get the client votes? Right. And so that worked. It was all on paper. It was all very quantifiable. And that, particularly in those early years when I had the kids, mattered. So why do you think 
because there has been a lot of progress, right? And, and now they're talking about we might see the first woman CEO of a Wall Street firm. Why is it still so backwards? Well, it's, let's just say it's not pipeline, okay? It's not pipeline. Uh, because the pipeline, you know, and if we just wait for the women to come through, we're going to be okay. I had the uh-huh. New York Times call me, I guess it was a year ago, um, and said, here's the new Wall Street class, and look, it's X percent women, third third women. So now we're going to start to make some progress. I said, wait a second, it was a third women when I right, started when you were in the there. 80s. Yeah. So it's, it's not pipeline. I, you know, I think... <sighs> It's not unusual in periods of crisis for diversity to go backwards. Um, and you'd think it would go forward. You'd think, gosh, the, the majority is the one who got us in trouble. By definition, right. let's be more diverse. But what actually happens is that the the wagons are circled. Not in a, we got to get rid of the people of color, or we got to get rid of the women. But what I saw again and again and again and again and again is... Yeah, I know we're supposed to have a slate and it's supposed to be diverse. Fine. We got it. But I have got to trust Joe. Joe is my, Joe and I grew up together. Joe's my guy. And what I saw happen is this is my team. I've worked with him for 20 years. Mm -hmm. We vacation together. Our, Our wives are friends. I can trust Joe. That's what I saw. That's what I and saw. That, and, and that trickles down. Like people hire and they surround themselves with people that they're comfortable with. As Human do I, nature. As, as do I. As do I. Right? As do you. Yep. As do yep. everybody else. And so that's what I saw happening. So then what would you recommend a young woman? And not necessarily on Wall Street, but just a young woman who's trying to break into a boys club. Whether it's on Wall Street or in tech or, or some other male-dominated industry. What's well, your advice? For all that you and I laughed about the hard work, hard work matters. And, uh, you know, results matter. And so, again, what worked for me was here's the quantification of success. And having that, you know, this is where I have been successful. These are my results. These are the numbers. And really looking for a job that can, that is very quantifiable in that way worked very well for me. Mm. Um, So that's one. Number two, network, 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 network. Um, It struck me um, not so long ago that every job I've had since business school, maybe ever, maybe ever. So I got my jobs out of college and business school through the college process, through the school process. But everything since then, the board positions I've had, the advisory board positions I've had, have been through my network. I I love search people. They've helped me hire people, but they have never gotten me a job. They've never gotten me a job or a board position. And so it's all through the network. And so this idea of you know, having these loose connections, your next business opportunity is much more, much more likely to come from a loose connection than a close connection. Mm. Um, because your friends and you know the same thing, the guy in the office next to you and you know the same thing. It's someone who you see twice a year, right? You run into him at this work event, or you have this quick drink with him or Mm -hmm. whatever, who says, I know something completely different from Betty and Betty should do this. Mm. Right. And for some reason, particularly young women, when I talk about this, say, well, that's cheating. You know, I want to do this on my own. I don't want to do it through my contacts and connections. Really? They say and that? They say that. You would be shocked by the number who say that. No, I want to do this the right way. I'm like, well, how do you think the guys are doing it? I don't know if there's anything wrong with using your connections. And the research shows that it's only about their mid-30s as the guys get promoted ahead of them. They say, oh, then, you know, networking mm. is important. So I'm a big fan. Uh, in fact, I've I've laid out before 
um, buying the Elevate Network was because of nine different connections. What's been the hardest part about building this business? Has it been the fundraising? Has it been the marketing? Has it? Well, been- we haven't fundraised, um, okay. which has been good. I mean, the great thing about it is the, you know, we've knock on knock on my head um, had a business that has been strong enough um, that we've had the internally generated funds. Now, you know, um, that might have kept our growth a little bit lower, but. I say that. I mean, it's growing. It's growing like a weed. So what's been the hardest part? People. It's always people. Finding the right people. Finding the right people and putting the right team in place is probably how I would say it. Okay. Um, and, you know, there can be volatility in a small uh, company that if the, if the folks don't all align correctly, um, then you have to sort of rethink it because you sub-optimize otherwise. You know, one of the things that... Um you know, I'll put myself uh, in this scenario, and I think a lot of people who reach a certain level, um, you know, they've made it, you know, in a big company, and just like you, um, or just at a big company. Period. They're they're at like you know a major Fortune 500 company, and then they want to strike out on their own. One of the side effects is that to that is that half the people you knew don't talk to you anymore. Well, <laughs> right? I mean, that's. <laughs> You know, okay, what's I, wish, your point, I wish people weren't like that, Sally, but it's well, true. But it's actually even worse if you're reorganized out or fired. Um, it. I wish it wasn't like that, but it is. I mean, my Christmas card take from Bank of America was down by 96, <laughs> 97% the year after I left. And the one that, that actually still sort of hurts me is there was a, a woman there who I was very, I thought, very friendly with. And, you know, the day after I got booted out, I called my now former colleagues, great to work with you, but, 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 you know, and, and I remember I got on the phone with this woman and she said to me, I want to keep in touch. And, and I remember her exact words, her exact words were, I don't want to just say we're going to keep in touch. I want to really keep in touch. Well, fast forward now, three and a half, four years. Um, I haven't spoken to her since <laughs> I have called her. She hasn't returned my phone calls. And the one that slays me, she won't even accept my LinkedIn request. <laughs> I'm not sure there's a lower commitment way to keep in touch. Way, I mean, is she scared that somebody over there is going to see we're LinkedIn friends? And, wow. I mean, and people are funny, right? They get embarrassed. They, they feel bad about it. Their time is limited. And that's why an external network matters because if things happen at your company, it's just going to be weird. Okay. To stay in touch with people gonna, there. Yeah. For some of them, not for everyone, but it's going to be weird. And of course, and you've heard it again and again, when you're on your own and when, t- and when tough things happen, that's when you know, right? You know, th- this person fades away, but gosh, then there'll be these people who surprise the living daylights out of you, who you felt like you were casual friends with, and they will come through. Here are four opportunities today for you. Here is a board role. You know what, Betty? I've thought about what you should do, and here is my advice to you. I mean, it's really and it's usually surprising. because people have been there before no sometimes not they just sort they of just pop up it's fascinating to sort of watch so my new rule and then look i get it i get it when people are the victim of a random act of violence it's awkward um but my rule is whenever any of my friends or even acquaintances friendly acquaintances go through a difficult time at work i reach out to them immediately immediately and there's mm. you know i don't avert my eyes and yeah i think it it's 
it's comforting for them. And I think it goes a long way with people. Because uh, I, I think, you know, you've been there, you know, and that's a big fear is that people are dismissed after they've lost their job or they've lost their stature. And I think the higher you go sometimes, the more, maybe the more fearful, maybe the more of that fear becomes bigger because you were in such a big public, you know, yeah. uh, podium and then suddenly you're a nobody. But see, but it depends. Well, <laughs> I mean, but, uh, Betty, an alleged just, no. I'm sorry, Betty. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me, Betty. Did you say I'm a nobody? Because an alleged nobody. This podcast is over. <laughs> Where I'm. That's the fear. Let the right? record reflect. I have stormed from the room. By the way, when that happens to me, Sally will be like, "Oh, you like being a nobody now, huh?" <laughs> okay. But here's the thing. It it really is about how you define yourself, and. Do you define yourself by your title? Do you define yourself by the company you work at? Do you define yourself by the amount of money you make? Do you define yourself by whether you have a corporate jet? I define myself impact. Impact. For I'm on this earth for a limited period of time. What impact do I want to have? And, and look, earlier in my career, when you're a you know investment banking analyst at Solomon, it's hard to have an impact. When you're a research analyst, you can have more. I, by the way, I remember post 9-11. The day when the markets reopened, and I was at that time running the Bernstein research and trading business, and in bed that morning saying, why are we even bothering, right? I mean, this is going on, and, and we're going to go talk about research? Right. Well, the answer was, we are going to go talk about research, because these markets are going to be hellacious, Mm. And the people who we're talking to are the families out there who are saving for their retirements to live the lives they want to, to send their kids to college. And this matters. And so we are going to go in there today and talk about the stock market, even when our hearts are completely broken because it matters for them. That's impact, right? And so even when I, when I went out of the big jobs, I thought, how can I have an impact? And I'll tell you quite honestly, there, I, there are days when I think I'm having more impact here. And so, ha, you know, in this day and age, what is so amazing and fascinating and thrilling and interesting is you can have an impact running a big company. You can have an impact with one voice these days in a way because of the power never of technology before. and so you never could so it's how do you define yourself what is being a big deal what does that mean to you and for me the couple of things are an impact because i've had all of these advantages in my life so now i have to give back mm-hmm. you know and the other thing is lifelong learning and that's the part we haven't talked about i i look at my peers who are doing the jobs they've done at a more senior level god bless them I love them, right? My learning curve is vertical mm. right now. And it was for years. It's, it's, it keeps you awake. I mean, yeah. I am awake. <laughs> Versus for years, my learning curve was pretty horizontal. Mm. Um, and that's what I think the karma and the wake-up call was, was it's time to make it vertical again. Next week on Radiate, Charlie Rose. We turn the tables on the legendary interviewer to find out the secrets to a magical conversation and what it's like to chronicle a generation of iconic leaders. Thanks for joining us. I'm Betty Lou. If you liked what you heard, please review us on iTunes and find me on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. See you next week on Radiate.
Just a reminder that this episode of Radiate was brought to you by Zevia. Zevia is the zero-calorie, naturally sweetened soda that's clearly different. It's got no sugar, no calories, and it's non-GMO project verified, which makes this a cleaner, healthier soda option. Zevia is available in 15 flavors, cream soda, black cherry, cola, of course, ginger ale, and even just plain tonic water. It is always zero calories no matter what flavor you choose. And also remember that you can mix it in your favorite cocktail just in time for the holidays. Go to Zevia.com slash podcast because the company is giving away thousands of free six packs. Yes, thousands have been won. Who knows? You could come home and you'll see a surprise case of Zevia soda on your doorstep or in your mailbox. It is random but it's also pretty cool. Head to zevia.com slash podcast to get yours. That is Z-E-V-I-A dot com slash podcast.